inherited, including old hunting weapons and guns left over from one of the world wars. Those already handed over include a pistol an elderly woman inherited from her grandfather and which once belonged to a German soldier. You're listening to the news on RTHK. An international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. Good morning, it's 8.03 in Hong Kong on Friday the 2nd of December. A warm welcome to Money Talk on Radio 3. And you have just 20 minutes left to bid in our special online charity auction in aid of Operation Santa Claus. Go right now to the Radio 3 homepage. That's www.rthk.hk forward slash Radio 3. Or the Money Talk Facebook page, Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And click the link to the auction website. Even if you don't want to bid for an item, please click the Donate to Operation Santa Claus link and make a donation. Every amount goes to one of the 15 Operation Santa Claus beneficiaries, who are all local charities, doing a great job helping the needy and disadvantaged in Hong Kong. The auction closes at 8.25 and then we'll tell you how much we've raised at the end of the show. First, in today's business headlines, China's top official in charge of the fight against covid said the country's efforts to combat the virus are entering a new phase, with the Omicron variant weakening and more Chinese getting vaccinated. China's Kaishin manufacturing PMI rose slightly to 49.4 in November, from 49.2 the prior month, but it's the fourth month of contraction. President Xi said China hopes for a fair environment for its companies in Europe in a meeting yesterday in Beijing with the president of the European Council, Charles Michel. IMF chief Kristalina Georgieva has warned that the chance of global growth dropping below 2% is increasing as major economies slow and South Korea's exports dropped the most in two and a half years in November, hit by slowing glo global demand and the semiconductor industry's downturn. And the Federal Reserve's preferred measure of US inflation showed that the pace of price growth slowed in October. The core personal consumption expenditures index rose by 0.2% last month, down from half a percent in September. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Andrew Ferris, CEO of Econosis Advisory, and helping us to close our charity auction and announcing how much we've raised is Aurea Young, Head of Operations at Foodlink Foundation. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. On Wall Street overnight, U.S. stocks fell ahead of a key employment report later today. The S&P 500 closed down 0.1% at 4,077. The Dow dropped as much as 460 points earlier in the session before rebounding to close 195 points or 0.6% lower at 34,395. The Nasdaq Composite gained 0.1% to end at 11,482. The Pan-European Stock 600 Index climbed 0.9%. London's FTSE 100 fell 0.2%. Hong Kong stocks rallied more than 3% at the open on Thursday, extending the previous two days' big gains after signs of a softer Covid stance on the mainland. But those gains faded as the day wore on. 
Hang Seng Index ended the day 139 points or 1.8% higher at an almost three-month high of 18,736. The Tech Index advanced 1.1%. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite added half a percent to 3,165. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil settled slightly lower at $86.88 a barrel. Gold is up 2% at $1,802 an ounce. And the US 10-year Treasury bond yield dropped 10 basis points to 3.51% after the Fed's preferred measure of inflation came in lower than expected. And that helped the US dollar fall 1.2% to its lowest level since August. The euro is over 1% firmer at $1.05 and a quarter cents. The Japanese yen surged 2% to 135.28 after new BOJ board member Tamura called for a policy review at the right time. Sterling rose 1.7% after EU Commissioner President Ursula von der Leyen said talks with UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak on the Northern Ireland Protocol have been encouraging and a workable solution is in reach. One British pound buys one dollar twenty-two and a half cents, and nine Hong Kong dollars and fifty-five cents. The Chinese yuan hit a two-week high against the U.S. dollar yesterday, after Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said rate increases could be scaled back, and the PBOC said in an article yesterday that the current round of U.S. dollar appreciation has reached its peak, and there's very limited upside. Offshore yuan is at 7.04 versus the US dollar this morning. Bitcoin is 1% lower at $16,900. And in Asia Pacific stock markets this morning, in Australia, the SX200 is down 0.6%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is off 1.25%. A Cosby in South Korea down 0.8%. But it does look like the Hang Seng is going to gain about 40 points at the open this morning. Times 8.09 and our regular Friday morning guest, Andrew Ferris, the CEO of Econosis Advisory, is on the phone from London this morning. Morning, Andrew. Actually, I'm from Vienna, but never mind, Peter. I'm always delighted to be here. Uh, very similar, aren't they? <laughs> OK, let's, I've, I've got a lot of data about the global economy, which I want to go through uh, with you and see your thoughts on where we are. Let's start with some of this China data that came out yesterday. The manufacturing PMI did rise slightly to 49.4 in November from 49.2. That's the fourth month of contraction. That pretty well um, lines up with an official survey on Wednesday, which showed manufacturing activity at larger state-owned firms falling to a seven-month low in November. Andrew, I know you don't particularly impressed by PMI numbers, but nevertheless, um, China's economy it does seem to be um, slowing at quite a quite a clip, doesn't it? Absolutely, and actually, much more interesting is. Uh the exports of South Korea to China. You might say, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. What this has to do with the Chinese economy? Everything, because exports of South Korea to China is imports from China, and the imports have actually fallen off completely of a cliff. Mm. And South Korea is one of the major trade and clients with China. And, of course, the trade is not uh, expensive perfume or silk ties. It's primarily industrial goods. And that shows you the deceleration of the Chinese economy, which is reflected back on what is importing 
as inputs in its own production. Mm. So the answer to that was a little bit long-winded, Peter, but yes, actually, it is slowing down. And uh, I'm not particularly impressed by few basis points, ups and downs on the uh, PMI, uh, Producers Managers Index, type well, of, of, uh, of reports. Yeah. Well, let's focus on that South Korean data. Let me give it to you first for our listeners. First of all, exports, they dropped the most in two and a half years in November. They shrank by 14%. That was worse than a drop of 11%. Imports did grow more than expected by 2.7%. And that left Korea, South Korea, with a trade deficit of just over 7 billion uh, for November. And as you mentioned, ships to China, which is South Korea's biggest export destination, they plunged 25.5% last month. That's the worst decline in 13 years. And um, shipments to China have fallen for six consecutive months. It tells us quite a lot as well, doesn't it, about global um, growth? Because um, South Korea's exports are sort of a bellwether for global trade, aren't they? It will be indeed. And then um, we have uh, the data and the comments coming out of uh, IMF. And again, perhaps I'm jumping the gun a little bit here um, about the global economy going down to about 2%. And I'm afraid global GDP growths in general hide much more than they reveal. And also, in this particular case, because China is the third biggest economy or the second biggest economy in the world, of course they tend to reflect that. Mm. If China is slowing down very significantly, so will the global economy. So that in itself is not a huge piece of news. How, how much is electronics a big part of this? We're seeing, because obviously that's a major part of South Korea's um, exports. We're seeing um, sort of a global slump in demand, aren't we, for not just the basic electronic products, such as semiconductors, but also the end products as well, whether it be smartphones or, or cars. Is this a big part of what's going on? Uh, 100%. And again, we, we have indirect uh, points out of that, and that is what is happening to the main chip and uh, uh, exporter in the world, and that is uh, Taiwan. And some of the earnings were not particularly impressive. Some of the overall output was not uh, particularly impressive. So the answer is, is uh, yes. And of course, things like the chain snarls up in uh, the Apple factory in the Guangdong province doesn't help, although this has nothing to do per se with a slowdown in the output or in the demand, but it is a slowdown in the actual production and therefore flow. And I suppose, obviously, China's domestic demand is very weak, uh, but it isn't a surprise, really, is it? People haven't got a way to go out and consume um, at the moment. This, this, is, this is the usual thing, actually, because it was very sad and, in a way, very sweet, a comment that uh, with the lockdown, people are not particularly keen to go out and try to find another house. And that <laughs> explained why a great deal of uh, the slowdown in the new sales of uh, newly built homes in China has also fallen quite significantly. And I thought it was, it was a very, very nice way of pointing out. The last thing I want to do is I'm locked in, is to go out and try to buy a new flat. What for? <laughs> yeah, so, so this is worrying for the world, isn't it? Because um, the world relies on China for maybe some 35, 40% of its global um, growth. So this really, when uh, Kristalina Georgieva 
uh, the head of the IMF, she's warning uh, that the cl- chance of, a gl- of global dr- growth dropping below 2%, it, it seems quite a real possibility now. Uh, yes, and I will have a quick but a slightly snipey uh, comment to make on this business of, uh, of uh, Mrs. Kristalinas' uh, uh, comment. Uh, the answer is, is yes. And actually, I would have much liked to have seen at some stage, although it will be a little bit of a big task for me to do it single-handedly, is the impact of global tourism of the Chinese simply disappearing. You know, for a long time, the single biggest single biggest group of visitors, for example, in Thailand, for example, in Italy, for example, in France, for example, in the UK, were Chinese. Now they're gone. Mm. I mean, and they're gone completely. They're not gone a little bit. They're just not there. And I haven't seen any comments on the impact of China on global tourism, because this was, uh, this was one of the big, uh, big items. You know, the, all the huge queues of Chinese tourists outside, let's say, Louis Vuitton or Chanel in, in Paris, gone, gone, gone. And I will say that sarcastically. Now, this idea that the global economy now has a one in four probability of growing less than two percent. The statement one in four is so nonsensical that it shouldn't come out of IMF. You know, probability is simply an event divided, a particular event occurring divided by all the other events occurring. Well, now you can't say two percent divided by what? All the other times that the world grew less than two percent. Completely nonsensical. So please, please, please. Don't use these things that there is a 25% chance of the global economy will grow at less than 2% at the end of the year. It means absolutely nothing. Now, look, we talk, we talk a lot on this program about China-US relations. I wanted to ask you about China-EU relations, partly because uh, the president of the European Council, Charles Michel, has been in Beijing, met with President Xi Jinping yesterday. Uh, President Xi said China uh, wants to remain open to European companies. He hopes uh, that the EU can eliminate interference to provide a fair and transparent business environment uh, for Chinese companies. Um, Mr. Michel talked about a rebalancing of of trade relations. He said uh, he wants to talk about the EU's restrictive measures um, on China as well as measures taken by China against the EU. So how would you assess the state of EU-China relations? Uh, you, can, you can take two pieces on that. One is the EU was uh, incredibly upset about the positions of China of not coming out very strongly against the war in Ukraine and uh, sort of arming and arming and uh, taking a very neutral position uh, vis-a-vis Putin. That was a purely, uh, a purely uh, political uh, uh, let's say, raising of eyebrows. And the second point, of course, is, is as far as investment of China in infrastructure, and in particularly in the energy sector in, uh, in Europe, there was a doubly raising of an eyebrow in saying that we're not going to ever repeat the same thing with uh, what has happened with our dependency on, uh, on Russia, on mm. energy inputs of Russia. So in other words, uh, uh, China may find out that Russia appears in very unexpected places uh, when it comes to their dealing with China. Uh, by no means I'm saying this is going to teach them a lesson. It's simply, it's, it, is, it is part of the process of balancing uh, political issues versus economic issues. But uh, uh, one cannot underestimate the role of Russia in the European-Chinese relations.
I mean, that's that's the big issue, isn't it? That um, China's lack, really, of condemnation of, of, of Russia has really poisoned relations with the EU. But do you get a sign that maybe Beijing is stepping back a bit from that? We certainly saw, didn't we, the G7, so the G20 exactly. summit, the APEC summit, uh, President Xi going out of his way to meet EU leaders and, and trying to uh, repair bridges a little bit. And not only that, not only that, China surprisingly signing a, a statement that uh, very guardedly uh, condemned Russia, something that they've never done before. Yeah, I mean, you know, poss- possibly you throw the dice in one particular direction only to find out that uh, this, uh, this, this doesn't work. I mean, in, in my own uh, uh, second mother country, Greece, there, there is a hugely controversial issue quietly now in the background, and that is that China effectively bought outright the port of Piraeus. And uh, uh, that was Costco. And, uh, mm, you know, the European Union were not very keen about this. The Greeks at the time, this was right after the, the end of the huge recession in Greece following the fiscal imbroglio, it was a hugely welcome uh, uh, investment. But then uh, a lot of throats were being cleared that uh, the Chinese have established a very important, a very important uh, mode of operations as far as international trade is concerned, effectively in the heart of the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. I'm not reading any uh, Machiavellian plot here. It -hmm. is simply saying, well, you know, the major port in Greece is now, for all intents and purposes, owned by Costco. Okay, Andrew, thank you very much. Have a great weekend over in Europe. That's Andrew Ferris, the CEO of Econosis Advisory. Just a reminder, you have five minutes more left to bid on our Operation Santa Claus charity auction. All the money we raise going to the 15 amazing charities that every day are helping the needy right of Hong Kong. You can still bid right now. You have until 8.25. And even if you don't want to bid, please make a donation to Operation Santa Claus. Go to the Radio 3 homepage, www.rthk.hk forward slash Radio 3, or the Money Talk Facebook page, Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3, and click on the auction website. And Operation Santa Claus has now been in its 35th year since 1988. We've raised more than $353 million for 323 charities. We're supporting 15 charities this year, ranging from those with physical and mental disabilities, aid for youth and children, and some for the environment. And one of the beneficiaries is with me right now, Aurea Young, who's Head of Operations at Foodlink Foundation. Morning, Aurea. Morning, Peter. Um, tell me a little bit about Foodlink Foundation. What do you do? Okay, um, Fulling Foundation has been in operation for over 20 years already. We become a registered uh, local charity uh, 12 years ago. We collect surplus food from our uh, food donor partners, uh, including top hotels, members clubs, international school canteens, corporate canteens, um, hospital food distributors, and then send these food to our beneficiary partners, uh, which include beneficiaries from different walks of life like homeless, um, uh, low-income families, uh, uh, mental um, uh, uh, rehabilitation individuals, um, uh, uh, and then uh, also low-income families, elderly. There must be a lot of people, actually, I should imagine, there that, that fall into that category here in Hong Kong that um, are in need of this type of service. Yes, indeed. Uh, actually, in Hong Kong, we have um, over 1.65 million people living in poverty. 
Okay. And is there a lot of food wasting in Hong Kong? And are hotels and restaurants realizing that, you know, this can be put to a good use? Of course. Uh, well, you know, in Hong Kong, people like buffet a lot. <laughs> so, uh, just as an example, last year we collected a total of 566 tons of surplus food and served over 1.3 million meals to people really? in need. That's incredible. That's, yes, that's, indeed. Uh, that's a lot of meals. So how many volunteers do you have um, sort of helping you? And wh- where do they come from? Oh, our volunteers come from um, uh, people from different all sectors. So mm. uh, sometimes we have even senior volunteers. We have kids volunteers. Uh, we have um, people uh, 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 from uh, from any age group. Uh, so we have uh, over thousands of volunteers supporting our work. Great. Well, we're trying to raise money for you and our other, uh, all of our 15 beneficiaries. Once again, just a couple of minutes left to bid on the auction. Go to the Radio 3 homepage, www.rthk.hk forward slash Radio 3. The auction will close on the dot at 8.25. You can still donate after the auction has closed, but you won't be able to bid any more on the item. So please be generous because every single uh, dollar that we raise goes to a good cause. Tell me about Operation Santa Claus. How has that helped you? Oh, um, well, uh, we are very blessed that uh, this year we get funding from Operation Santa Claus for opening up a um, pop-up store uh, mm. in Kowloon East um, because we have a um, uh, a partner, uh, which is one of the big supermarket chains. So we collect a lot of surplus food from them, like fresh produce, um, sometimes ugly fruits, but they are still good to eat, mm. um, uh, vegetables or, or dry food. Um, so there's a lot of surplus food and they are very nutritious healthy food so then um, we will put these food into this pop-up store uh, where the beneficiaries can come to the store and collect them free of charge well um, you know um, a lot of low-income families they have to wait till very last uh, minute to go to wet market to buy food because they have to cut back on food costs uh, in order to cope with the uh, rising um, uh, living expenses so um, with this pop-up up store, um, the mummies won't have to wait to the very last minute to get food for their kids. So the money is going to really helping you expand and help you do more uh, to serve the local community here. Exactly. Well, it's great. Well, look, it, it, we really appreciate the work that you're doing on, on charities like Food Link and the, and the good that you're doing for, for local people. The auction has closed. Um, now, so we can tell you um, how much we've raised. So I tell you what, uh, Oria, why don't you tell tell our listeners and tell everyone how much we've raised so far? Oh wow, Peter, I see a very good number here: seventy four thousand eight hundred and forty nine dollars. Wow. wow, that is great. That's fantastic. That's a, a really good amount. That beats the amount we raised um, last year uh, when we did the charity auction. Auction. So thank you to everyone who has been bidding um, on on that and and, and helping to donate uh, to to the auction. How do you feel about that? It's a great number, isn't it? And it's going to help you and all of our other beneficiaries as well. Yes, uh, Peter. Uh, actually, I feel very heartwarming because it's really nice to see that um, people from different sectors are supporting a good cause. Yeah, and it's been a difficult year, hasn't it, for people in, in Hong Kong. But it's still important to remember that however hard things are, there are people worse off than us. Yes, yes, yes. And you come across them every day, I, I suspect. Yes, um, I, I think um, it, it is actually a blessing if we could help uh, people who are less fortunate than us. And any particular plans going forward, how you'd like to sort of expand the operation? 
Oh, yes. Um, you know what? Christmas is coming up. <laughs> so we are actually appealing um, to um, uh, different uh, uh, people from um, uh, food industries, hotels or restaurants. Uh, perhaps uh, they could support our um, uh, Christmas uh, food donation program. So we are appealing for food like um, turkey, ham, where we can um, um, uh, send to these uh, low-income families uh, to celebrate uh, Christmas. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's a great idea because... Um, as, as we talked about earlier, there is a lot of wastage going on in Hong Kong. So this is a really good way of making sure we use the, the things we produce and the things that we don't eat and it doesn't just get um, thrown away. Yes, and um, uh, every time when uh, when I see that the uh, the, the kids or, or a senior, their 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 smile when we bring these food to them is is really really very heartwarming. Well, Aria, thank you very much for coming in uh, this morning and helping us close the auction. And congratulations on all the good work that you do uh, for for the needy and the hungry in Hong Kong. Well, uh, thank you, Peter, for having Footlink here this morning. And uh, let me just remind you again, the amount we've raised, $74,849. That's a fantastic amount. So thank you very much indeed for your kind and generous donations to this charity auction and for helping to support Operation Santa Claus. Many people from Radio 3 have been involved in making this a success, but special thanks uh, in particular to Andrew Dembida. He went cap in hand to a lot of local businesses and persuaded them to provide the items we've been auctioning and also to our Money Talk producer, Christy Lai, who's been organising the auction website and many other things as well to help make this success. And thank you once again to you for your support. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And let me give you a final update on the markets for this week. First of all, in Australia, the ASX 200 currently down uh, 0.7%. Over in uh, Japan, the Nikkei 225, that's off 1.5%. The Cosby in South Korea, down 3 quarters of a percent. And here in Hong Kong, it does look like the uh, the Hang Seng is going to open more or less flat after what's been a very, very good week for uh, for local shares here in Hong Kong and uh, and over on the mainland. Elsewhere in the markets, Brent crude oil right now, uh, that's trading at $87.16 a barrel. Gold, uh, that's at $1,803 an ounce right now. I'll be back on Monday morning. Thank you very much for listening this week. Do have a great weekend. Stay tuned for Back Chat, which is coming up with Janice Wong and Andrew Work right after the news. The weather forecast for today and the weekend, mainly cloudy, rather cool in the morning. There's going to be sunny intervals during the day. The maximum temperature will be around 18 degrees. Temperatures are going to rise progressively over the weekend with sunny intervals during the day. And then it's going to be cool in the morning and early next week. The temperature right now over at the observatory is 14 degrees and it's 69% relative humidity. Time's coming up to 8.30. Here's Tom Warden with the half-hour news. President Biden has said he's willing to talk to Vladimir Putin, but only if the Russian leader shows a desire to end the war in Ukraine. The U.S. president was speaking at a news conference with his French counterpart Emmanuel Macron, who's on a state visit. From Washington, the BBC's Barbara Plett-Usher reports. President Biden called Vladimir Putin's actions barbaric and sick. He said he'd be willing to talk with the Russian leader if Mr. Putin showed a desire to end the war, and then only in consultation with NATO allies. 
The solidarity on Ukraine had been shadowed by French criticism of U.S. clean energy subsidies, which Mr. Macron said could kill jobs in Europe. But Mr. Biden appeared eager to ease these concerns, saying the legislation had glitches that could be solved. A sixth letter bomb has been discovered in Spain after one was intercepted at the U.S. Embassy. The Interior Ministry said the letters, all received in just over a week, were similar and contained a pyrotechnic material. Here's the BBC's Guy Hedgeco. Inevitably, people are talking about the possible Ukrainian connection, the Ukrainian embassy, the military base, and also the Spanish government is being targeted. The Spanish government has voiced support for the Ukrainian government. Now, also, one other detail which people have been looking at closely as well is that reportedly this weapons manufacturer up in Saragossa, which received one of these letter bombs, has been supplying grenade launchers which have been sent out to Ukraine to help Ukraine's fight against Russia. The South African president, Cyril Ramaphosa, is facing mounting questions about his future after an inquiry found evidence that he may have committed misconduct. He's been consulting colleagues in the governing ANC after postponing an expected address to the nation. His spokesman, Vincent Maguena, said all options were on the table and appealed for calm. Whatever decision the president makes, that decision has to be informed by the best interest of the country and that decision cannot be rushed and cannot be taken in haste. The opposition have called for Mr. Ramaphosa to resign. He's accused of covering up the theft of millions of US dollars in cash from his farm three years ago. Three members of Quebec's Assembly in Canada have been barred from the chamber for refusing to take an oath of allegiance to King Charles. The Speaker said the ban on the Parti Québécois legislators was final. All elected officials in the majority French-speaking region are required to swear an oath to King Charles, who is Canada's head of state. Japan have qualified for the knockout stage of the World Cup in Qatar in dramatic style by beating Spain 2-1. Spain also go through... But the result means Germany are out of the tournament, despite beating Costa Rica in their final group match. The Japanese victory leaves them top of the group. And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning. This is Back Chat for Friday, December 2nd. Welcome to the show. I'm Andrew Work. And I'm Janice Wong. On today's Back Chat, we're talking about the upcoming winter flu season and concerns about a possible twindemic in the coming weeks. Local health authorities are bracing for an increase in cases of ordinary flu, with the population now less immune and more susceptible to a serious outbreak after two years without a winter flu surge. And with COVID-19 figures remaining at around 10,000 per day, public hospitals have been given $790 million in extra funding to pay for more beds and manpower to deal with a possible rise in the number of patients. So how big of a risk are we facing? Is the healthcare system ready for a possible twindemic? After 9.15, we hear about a new technique developed by local scientists to increase the efficiency of hybrid rice production. And then at 9.25, RTHK sports correspondent Adam Tung will kick off with the latest on the World Cup action. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or just give us a call at 233-88266. Uh, kicking off today's show, we are going to begin with Dr. Michael Wong, who is with the Hospital Authority, where he is a Hospital Authority Chief Manager of Cluster Performance. Good morning, Dr. Wong. Good 
morning. Morning. Dr. Wong, uh, is it time to panic? <laughs> or, I don't or have we got time things to in hand? panic, but we need to be alert. Okay, so what, what's the situation? What, what is the concern? Uh, because uh, since we have uh, universal masking uh, since the COVID uh, era, and we didn't have any significant outbreak of influenza in the community for the past two to three years. Mm. So uh, essentially, our population immunity against influenza A has, been, has dropped dramatically. If another uh, epidemic of influenza hits us, the seriousness will be uh, much more serious than in the past. Mm. 